You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you freaks and geeks, and welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we go long on endurance and learn a lot about ourselves along the way. All right, this is our first episode of the pandemic lockdown. (laughs) You can tell it's a lockdown because Kai, my 15-year-old son, is getting a haircut here at the house from his girlfriend that uh, she was over here for dinner and just sporadic spur of the moment decided to start trying to give him a haircut so Emily my wife and his girlfriend are uh, around him and they have never cut hair before (laughs) and I've cut hair but it's um I cut hair mostly with clippers because it was uh, military school I went to a marine corps military school and I was in a marine corps navy marine corps ROTC unit my freshman year in college and that was uh marine corps haircuts are pretty simple it's almost to the scalp and then just a little bit more like a one guard on the side and two on top (laughs) but still you got to get it right because you're being inspected all the time but anyway that's how it's going around here let's see on this episode we're going to talk a lot about indoor training and some crazy stuff that people are pulling off around here and iron man has done some uh virtual training uh, oh, virtual competitions and then some additions to Zwift. Let's see. I did a, uh, I did the Ironman thing, the half Ironman over the weekend. It was really a duathlon. Instead of the swim, they do a, a, a 5k run. And I did all that. That was kind of fun. That got me out running a half marathon for the first time in a little while. And the weekend or two before that, I was going to do a Grand Fondo bike ride, which was 105 miles. And I've been training all winter for it and was really excited to do it. And it got canceled and I was pretty bummed, but definitely understanding with everything that's going on. So I swam in our very small uh, backyard pool for an hour. I was on swim team growing up and I was a captain of of a really good uh, high school varsity swim team. And I had some scholarships, or one scholarship, to swim in college, but I never took it. And uh, I was already burned out because I'd been swimming since I was nine years old competitively. And the um, the thing I did was I swam an hour tethered in the back backyard in the pool and then biked 112 miles on the trainer. <laughs> and so that was you know just over five hours. And I did it on Zwift, which is actually a lot of fun. And I'm going to talk more about that. Some guy biked 24 hours on Zwift. I'll tell you about that. And he compared it to a 24 outdoor, 24 hour outdoor ride and said it was actually harder to do the indoor, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. And we'll talk about that. And I have some other uh, random things. Um, Miranda Carfrey's husband uh, knocked, uh, Tim O'Donnell knocked the, uh, the power cord to the trainer out of the wall. And that's actually in the news because she called him an, an idiot or a dummy or something like that. And, but it doesn't really matter. This is all kind of in good fun. And 
Oh yeah, I forgot. I also have some tips on how to train at home and how to keep your life kind of uh, in uh, in some sort of a semblance of uh, reality and arrangement of getting things done at home. And then also, let's see, uh, some news on Lionel Sanders pulled off two things, which were absolutely crazy professional triathlete Lionel Sanders. If you don't know about him, then you are not keeping up with the real world, which is something we kind of need to do right now. All right. Let's see. What happened was, should we do, well, let's talk about the Ironman virtual racing thing because that's something that more people probably know about and did something with. Uh, Ironman announced that there would be virtual reality racing, quote unquote, coming up pretty soon when the whole uh, pandemic lockdown started happening. And it really started happening. Uh, a lot of people, you know, follow basketball and people noticed that first the NBA, but I was watching a lot of uh, spring classics racing and was it Paris Nice bike race, which is a stage race from Paris to Nice um, was they kept racing like stage four, stage five, they kept going. And um, even though a, a team or two had abandoned the race and of course this, or was it Italy? I don't remember what the race was because now, geez, time just, I don't even know what day it is anymore. <laughs> I've been uh, sent home to uh, work. I know people that have been furloughed, which thank God, at least they haven't been uh, let go uh, 100%. I know furloughed, you're not getting paid, but at least your job is still there because this should pass through. But man, this is going to be rough. Okay. Anyway, I don't want to be, you don't listen to this show to get all down and Debbie Downer on things. So let's, uh, let's keep it upbeat. The uh, Iron Man, oh, an Iron Man uh, got sold back to another company. I forgot who they sold it to, but the Chinese company, Wanda, um, sold it, which was kind of interesting. And my belief is companies are always the best when they're privately owned. When things are owned by stockholders, they don't care about anything except for profit. They kind of care, but they really don't. They say they care, but they really don't. Wait, here comes Emily. She's, we're going to talk about Kai's haircut. How's it going in there? It's going. This will be a story for, for us yeah. to come. I need you to come. I thought that y'all kind of knew how to cut hair. Y'all don't know how to cut hair at all. No. Why, would, why would I know how to do that? I don't ever. I used to cut my veins. Because y'all are girls. Yeah, but, but to, I, we go get our hair cut. Yeah. Nobody cut. Like, no, Kylie no. didn't even know how to hold the scissors to cut the hair. Right. That is a profession. I didn't go to hair school. Okay. Okay. Anyway, can you come? Help okay, I need. I'll be right back. Hold on. I gotta go help. <laughs> I I did the thing where I did the uh, the clippers that were electric and they buzzed, and then I I had another set of clippers that uh, were not plugged in and have no uh, power, and I hit him in the back of the neck, on in his hair with the ones that weren't running, but I made the the sound of with the other ones. So Kai thought I was <laughs> cutting holes in the back of his head like patches. And he jumped out of the chair, and uh, it's a prank. It's kind of funny. Uh, anyway, uh, I'll be right back. Hold on. Oh, my God. I think <laughs> it looks good on one side and not the other. It's, like, butchered on one side a little, a little too short, like a bowl cut on one side. So the problem is, is you got to keep going up. And he's already saying no. Like, nobody can touch his hair now. <laughs> okay, I forgot uh, something else. Also, I have some coaching spots open. I do full online 
custom triathlon coaching. I've been doing triathlons competitively since 2002. I coach uh, through Training Peaks and I've been uh, professionally certified. And I also have done, I think, like 15 or 16 Ironmans, 10 of them self supported. So, all this stuff about working out from home is uh, right up my alley. And other crazy things that I've done is uh, obviously with the swimming background. Oh, I swam uh, 22 miles across Lake Tahoe, which is like swimming the English Channel. It's one mile longer and it's at 6,000 feet elevation, but at least it's freshwater, so there's no sharks. I've done that. And I've done a 100-mile trail run race, a bunch of 50-milers uh, trail run race, and I missed Worlds and Half Ironmans by one slot in the 40 to 44 age group, which is extremely difficult to get there. And yeah, so I've got the full range of, of triathlon coaching credentials, and I've been doing it for a very, very long time. And when I coach, all you have to do is work out and upload well, now it syncs automatically, right? So your stuff syncs right up to Training Peaks, which is the professional platform. I've been trained and have been using Training Peaks uh, all the way up to coaching myself and uh, through an Ultraman and other people, you know, plenty of Ironmans, uh, really successful results. And using all the metrics and everything that you can think of, I've either done it or know somebody that has or have uh, talked at length on this podcast with somebody that has and uh, have all the experience that you could possibly want for a fantastic, fun triathlon coaching experience. Uh, one big thing that I do is I require for most of your workouts for you to put in some comments about how it went because that tells me how it feels and then I can adjust your training plan right from there. So that's what I do. And it's uh, $1.99 a month. And send me an email at texafornia at gmail.com. And texafornia is spelled T-E-X-A-F-O-R-N-I-A, texafornia at gmail.com. And I can get you set up. If you want to look at uh, more of my experience, racing experience, and all-world athlete, and race victories, and all that other stuff, uh, you can go to uh, about Brett or who is Brett at zentrafon.com. Okay, I want to go ahead and get that out of the way. Now, hey, well, Emily just brought uh, Zoe in here, our dog, and she's a loud barker because she just went next door and got a neighbor. Zoe, stop it. And uh, that knows how to cut hair to try to fix Kai's hair. <laughs> okay, anyway. Uh, let's go ahead and cover, yeah, the uh, virtual Ironman thing. Let's do that first. They announced that there's going to be some virtual racing, and it was going to be the equivalent of a half Ironman. Uh, very recently, I did a half Ironman that was all off-road, and it was so cool. So I'm down with this. I love half Ironmans. They're pretty much my favorite. I mean, Ironmans are fantastic, but half Ironmans are... Um, you can race your butt off and then be done noonish or so. You know, I mean, you got the rest of the day and then you're not walking around. Sorry, I keep being interrupted. Okay, the uh, half Ironmans are the best. So um, this fall, I did a half Ironman, which I just loved. And it was an off-road uh, half Ironman. And this, the reason I'm telling you this is just to show you that uh, you can do all kinds of different races. You know, it used to be before Ironman got so popular, 
in the 80s and 90s, there was races of all kinds of crazy distances. And I think Ironman actually got popular and famous once Ironman as a brand took over and standardized everything. Because now you can, con you can kind of uh, compare against each other. Okay. And, uh, you know, I can do a race over here and it's the same distance as a race over there. Uh, when races are different distances all over the place, you know, you got Alcatraz, which is kind of an Olympic. I did that one too. That was, oh man, that was so cool. And that was like a dream come true to swim from Alcatraz Island to, uh, to shore. The rest of the bike and the run on that, I was just like, I was just like, I don't care how I do because this, I mean, I, I was, you know, trying to compete sort of, but I was just so there for the swim, which is a, a bucket list item. Anyway, this race that I did was uh, the Brickhouse Triathlon, I think is what it was called. But they, the long version was a swim and they had to shorten the swim because the water got too really cold overnight. And then a uh, six or so mile mountain bike ride and then a two mile trail run over and over and over again until you hit five hours because that's about how long it takes to do a half Ironman. And whoever had completed the most laps of all this after the swim was over, so you just did the swim once and it was beautiful in this really great place. And I got third and I got passed on the very last lap by a guy after the five hour mark. So I'm like, I think I got second. But again, it's so like laid back and, and fun that um, you would look like a douchebag going, oh, I got, I think that I got second. And so, Cause you're arguing over second, third, not even first. Oh, the mountain biking and everything. So anyway, half Ironmans are fantastic. And Ironman brand did this virtual thing. And it's a 5K run. So imagine if you go into a half Ironman and they cancel the swim. I guess they do this sometimes. I've never, I've done tons of half Ironmans and I've never had a swim canceled, I think. I'd have to think really hard. Have I ever had a swim canceled at a half Ironman? I've had some, many where they were almost canceled. Either lightning or it's too foggy or you can't see. Uh, anyway, they, uh, they sometimes do a 5K first and that kind of breaks up the group a little bit. And then everybody gets on their bikes kind of a little bit more spread out, kind of like you're coming out of the swim. And uh, so that's what you were supposed to do is do a 5K and then a 5K run, uh -huh, uh, 56 mile bike ride, and then a 13.1 uh, mile run, half marathon. And uh, they wanted you to connect to their software their online cloud stuff, uh, your Strava account or your Garmin account or whatever. And you could do it outdoors if you could, but, and you had a window of time, Friday night to uh, Sunday night. And they didn't really care what order you did it in. They didn't, they, you didn't have to do it all right in a row. Um, it just, all three needed to be done uh, within that window. And Let's see. It was, I got my numbers of what I did. It was a little clunky at first, and it's just going to be clunky the very first time getting it all set up. I was pretty frustrated, but I also knew I was frustrated because I'm just trying to figure it out. And then if I do another one of these, uh, because they, they said there's a whole bunch more challenges coming up. Uh, what I did was I ran outside and did a 5K around my neighborhood. I did the, um, 
I don't like going and running for less than an hour to me <laughs> going out and just running three miles. I'm kind of like, okay, you know, and this doesn't really count. It's not really a race or anything like that. It's kind of a race, but it's not really. So I like to go run for an hour. So what I did being that I'm in my forties and it takes me uh, half, half an hour, three, three miles to warm up. I went and jogged uh, pretty easy, very easy, actually about a 10 minute mile. It's pretty hilly where I live. And the uh, first part and what I did is I kind of threw that out. And then I ran the second half of my hour. I made sure I ran three point Instead of 3.1, I think I did 3.2. Anytime I do something self-supported or at home or something like that, I always do just a tiny bit extra. That way uh, nobody can say that you didn't do uh, the real thing. So I ran like 3.2 instead of 3.1. Uh, 5K miles and uh, 5K. And the time for that, I was actually jogging pretty easy. Um, Nine-minute mile, just jogging. And I have an old foot injury, some plantar fasciitis that I'm uh, trying to get over. I didn't want to aggravate that. And especially because I was going to be running a half marathon the next day. And uh, so I just wanted to take it kind of easy. So that's why I just jogged a nine-minute mile. And saved it, sat down on the computer. It, I looked and it had uploaded. And I had set up my um, bike already to do the bike ride on Zwift and... The uh, thing was, I, I don't remember what I did. I, I uh, changed clothes a little bit and kind of poked around, made sure Emily and Kai were doing something and then um, and were happy for a while. And I got on the trainer and rode the 56 miles. I did like 56.1, you know, <laughs> on Zwift, which took uh, just, oh, wait, I have the numbers here. What did I do? I don't have the time that it actually took me, but it was like two hours and 20 minutes or something. Uh, but I averaged 23.4 miles per hour. And by the way, on Zwift, if you put in the right weight and you ride on a triathlon bike, uh, it is exactly the same time that you would ride outdoors. And I love it because before I got Zwift and a smart trainer, uh, an hour on the trainer is like an hour and a half outside because you can't stop pedaling. The trainer, you just have to keep going and going and going and going or everything comes to a stop. But on Zwift, you can coast on the downhills and uh, it still kind of, it keeps up your speed. So that simulates outdoor riding a whole lot better. And then I have a, uh, I have a front wheel holder that has a swivel on it. You can just, it came with a trainer one time. So I'm sure you can go out and buy these things. It's on a rotating bevel kind of thing. And so I turn as I go in the corners and then I make sure I, I have a tri bike. I have a nice tri bike. I have a, um, a Trek speed concept and I have on that bike, I actually have a zip 808 wheel set. So I have a zip, uh, four, four front and a rear an 808 rear, but actually with a disc cover on it. Uh, that's what I ride when I race. If you go to my Instagram, you can see it pop up every once in a while. It's beautiful. I love that bike so much. That's one of the reasons I got in the triathlon was the super cool bike. And I um, worked my way up over years. What's it been? It's been almost, it's been like 17 years of working my way up bike after bike after bike to finally getting a nice bike. Uh, a really, really nice bike. I've had a, some pretty nice ones actually, uh, starting about 10 years in, I think. And then... I, um, but I sit up, my whole point was I ride in the arrow position. 
Uh, that way it's real. Because I, I want to make it as real as possible. So I have these numbers of uh, what I would actually ride outside. So when I do a real race, I know kind of what to expect, how long I'm going to be out there and all that other stuff. And I have found that it is to the T, the same speeds and times that I ride outside, same power and everything like that. So I rode uh, 23.4 miles per hour and uh, average of 235 watts and an average heart rate of only 133 beats per minute. Um, it, when I was mentioning my run times earlier, you might've been like, dude, this guy's slow runner. <laughs> this bike is insane. It's like really fast. Um, so I've been training for my Grand Fondo and I, um, uh, I have a really nice, uh, bike splits and, uh, I just been holding off on the running. I'm a, I'm a really fast, uh, swimmer too. So on an Ironman, I tend to do the swim and, uh, just at, at an hour and uh, with all the swimming background that I had growing up, um, just kind of cruising along on the swim, trying to swim as easy as I can. And I still do the swim in an hour, which shows you that swimming is really more about form and technique than anything else. And on the bike, um, I grew up biking all the time. Uh, since I was a tiny little kid on a BMX bike, and then I think in college I was mountain biking like crazy. And then I rode my bike to school everywhere. Uh, I lived in a neighborhood on the northeast side of Houston. It's everything's connected by bike paths, and all my friends rode BMX bikes. It was kind of like uh, what is that TV show that's been on Stranger Things? We were like that, <laughs> and uh, then uh, yeah, all the mountain biking. And then when I lived in San Diego for a few years, mountain biked out there religiously. I moved back to Texas, and I ended up living in a place where there wasn't any mountain biking nearby anymore. And that's how I got into triathlon. And I uh, started doing road biking and would just do long, long road bikes, low road bike rides. I was really doing triathlon, but I did it on a road bike or a tri bike, you know, whatever. And um, so I'm a bike nut and I've been, um, yeah, working on my uh, power over the years, you know, just the more you bike, the, the more power you end up generating. And, and um, the whole key with fitness, uh, and this is what I coach, is you want to be fast but with a low heart rate. And that means it's easy. If your heart rate's lower, then it means it's easy for you to go fast. That's really what you're working on. So when you're doing something like an Ironman, you actually want to hold back. So you have like a low heart rate. And a half Ironman, and this, you know, I wasn't trying to kill myself or anything like that because this isn't, this isn't going to qualify me for anything, like worlds or something like that. So um, just heart rate of 133. But um, I think... My FTP is right around 300 right now, maybe a little bit over 300 watts. And that's, um, that's a really nice, healthy FTP for an age grouper. And what that gets me is, like I was saying, uh, 23.4 miles per hour, which is moving. That's really nice um, at 235 watts with an average heart rate of just 133. And that sounds unbelievable, but um, that's... Uh, I, that's what happens when you train enough so that your all of a sudden your heart rate starts dropping and everything gets a whole lot easier. You have to train enough base mileage so that suddenly your heart rate just, it's hard to get your heart rate up. And um, we're going to talk about that with Lionel Sanders where people were in disbelief of how fast he was going 500 watts at like 160 heart rate was like his max he hit his you know uh 800 watts and you know whatever he hit a max of 
100 in this bike race that he did. And yeah, that's uh, somebody who's really gifted and really well-trained. Um, your heart rate's lower and lower for the same amount of power, more power. It's really crazy. And anyway, so I was really uh, looking at the numbers after I was done. I was like, that's nice. That's really healthy. I would have done pretty good in my little Grand Fondo. And then the next day, I went out for a run. And like I said, I haven't run because I've been getting over a uh, foot injury, plantar fasciitis. And the... Um, the run was yeah uh, 13.1 miles, and what I did was two loops. Uh, after right around an hour, I stopped by my house again and grabbed another fuel bottle and, of water and fuel, and then w- kept going. I uh, changed running shoes, which is a really smart thing to do if you're kind of babying your feet a little bit. And yeah, I just kept jogging, and um, just under a 10-minute mile, so 9.54 but at a 136 heart rate, so just easy jogging. I uh, had 300 feet of elevation gain, which is pretty level, pretty flat. Um, about half the course is nice and level, and the other half has hills. So that's what I ended up with. And the, um, oh, back to the, uh, the bike ride. It was uh, 1,120 feet of elevation gain. Um, yeah, so after everything was uh, done, after the bike ride on Saturday and then the run, the second run on Sunday, I had a really fun time on the run. The weather was great. And the, uh, everything got uploaded and I have no idea what I placed. I'm not really worried about it. Uh, it was just fun and I, and I really appreciated it. Oh, and while I was on the bike on Saturday, they happened to be showing the female pros doing the bike ride too. And they rode on Ruby a, uh, Ironman Boulder course. They did 56 miles and it was Angela Nath, who's been on the show a bunch of times. She's awesome pro, awesome cyclist pro. Uh, Jocelyn McCauley, who is a awesome pro and she's actually from College Station where we're from here. And uh, she's been to my house and we've been running together and stuff. Zoe, it's okay. And then uh, another person was Miranda Carfrey and as Rennie, as everybody calls her. And it was really funny watching them. Um, and there was another female pro, and I, I forgot her name. I think she's from South Africa. I wasn't really familiar with her. And they uh, they had little kids. They're, they're, they were streaming videos from their houses online on a Facebook Live video. So it had like, the camera would be on all three of them, four of them, it'd be on one of them, whatever. And they were working their asses off, and it was really funny. Um, uh, so, two of them, Jocelyn and Rennie, both have little little kids. I don't know if the other pro does too, but Angela doesn't have kids. But the uh, the little kids coming in and out of the picture, and husbands and boyfriends coming in and out of the picture, and helping out. Uh, Jocelyn McCauley's husband was putting up dumb dad joke signs. That oh my god, they were so terrible. It was funny. And then, um. Oh, so Tim O'Donnell, who's been the fastest American at Kona over and over and over again. And if you don't know who Rennie is, Marina Carfrey, she's won Ironman World Champs, like, um, I don't know how many times. But uh, she, <laughs> they're married, and Tim O'Donnell accidentally kicked the power plug on the power tra- the smart trainer that she was on. So her whole thing came undone in a way. 
and she fell off the back, and they were riding virtually against each other with little avatars on, um, and Ruvi does like a video of the course, and it plays at, from the point of view of like the cyclist, and then you're on it, and, and then it also shows a map of uh, whoever else is on it. It looks pretty cool. I've never used Ruvi. I've used some other stuff. Well, did I use? No, yeah, I think I have used Ruvi one time. But anyway, and it was uh, so cool. I happened to uh, get on the bike about 20 minutes after they got on the bike. So for the definite majority of my bike ride, um, I was watching them. I'd say for uh, 95% of it. So that was really cool. And it made it uh, go by. So I'd like to, I'd give it a big thumbs up. Um, but it took a lot of planning and, and uh, uh, to get it done right. And yeah, that was pretty cool. Zoe. 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 Come here. Okay, so that was this weekend, just a couple of days ago. And a couple weekends ago, I did my own self-supported first two legs of an Ironman, a full Ironman, not just a half, uh, because my Grand Fondo got canceled, and I was really bummed about that. The uh, the Grand Fondo, we have a local Grand Fondo that's 105 miles long. They say it's 100 miles, but it's, <laughs> of course it's 105. They also run a 500-mile gravel race uh, at the same time. That takes you know a couple days for the for the winners to finish. It's pretty epic. But last year they had to cancel it because of the weather, and I was really disappointed. So I was super excited about it being this year because the previous I don't remember if I've won it the previous two years or the previous three years. I can't remember, but I've um, I've been uh, first place in the the one hundred and five mile uh, you know on road version of this thing, and. Emily's doing dishes next door, <laughs> next door in the kitchen in the next room over. And the uh, thing is, I love doing that. It's a local thing, and um, I love showing up. And and uh, you know, it really surprises me, you know, that that I can win it. And so uh, I definitely have that thing where uh, you realize that being the winner is kind of, in a weird way, is a little bit of a burden because you got to keep winning. It. <laughs> you really hang your ego. On that uh, on that hat rack, that you you're the champ, so you've got to you've got to keep winning it. Because what I guess if you don't win it, then you're getting you're not as good as you used to be, or something like that. But anyway, so I was bummed uh, when they canceled it, uh, but of course completely understood because of the coronavirus thing. I, I was kind of like, well, why don't we just do the race anyway? And then uh, just tell everybody to spread out at the beginning. But uh, what we're seeing after all this is people are so dense sometimes mentally about staying apart and what actually spreads things, you know, like just because you know, like how viruses are spread and like how not to uh, be contagious, how not to act when you might be contagious of stuff. A lot of people have no clue. And so you just can't. Well, then there's children, too. And you can't expect them to know. But um, if you asked everybody to stay apart and then ride, you know, start the ride spread out on this huge boulevard that it all starts off on six feet apart from everybody, 
um, they would still all bunch up at the beginning. <laughs> I just know that they would. And, um, and then now, you know, if, uh, a couple of weeks later, looking at like how everything's locked down and no, no groups of people at all, you know, anywhere. Um, if you're out and here in Texas, if you're outside, you have to be by yourself pretty much. You can go for a run, go for a bike ride, but you need to be by yourself. I guess Kai and I could go together and then we could say that we're family. Um, but we would probably be pulled over and then asked, how do you, um, why are you two riding so close together? I said, oh, it's my son. But anyway, the, um, I think I canceled and just like a few days before it was going to happen. And I said, okay, I'm going to try to make something cool out of a bummer and make it unique and fun. What could I do? And I said, yeah, I'll swim in my backyard pool and for an hour, because that's about how long it would take me to do an Ironman swim. And then on the bike ride, I'll ride Zwift for 112 miles. And I've never done that. And I was going to mention on the show how to work your way up to um, 112 miles or five hours or something like that, whatever, whatever it is for you, how to work, up, work your way up to really long bike rides on Zwift and, or on the trainer. And there's a bunch of different little tips. So one is you work your way up to an hour. And then on the weekends, you work your way up to two hours. And then uh, basically your short rides need to be about an hour and then up to an hour and during the week. And then on the weekends you do like two hours and then, then you do two and a half and then three and then, and you plan this all out way ahead of time. So if, as you're coming up to your Ironman or your hundred mile grand Fondo, whatever thing that's going to be, you're going to have you out on the bike in the real world for five hours, you are up to three, at least three hours on the trainer and what also what I've learned is on a trainer, you can either watch TV or movies if you have it, if that's what you want to do. But if you're riding like Zwift or Ruby or something like that, you can watch YouTube videos and you can right click twice on YouTube on your computer and then it'll say picture in picture. And you're like, yeah. And then what it does is it has a resizable window with no frame around it that you can drag and I put it right in the middle, lower middle of Zwift. If I'm doing like a, a long bike ride, once I go over an hour, I want something to watch. I was doing an hour today and I was watching the, uh, Perry Roubaix, um, from last year, two years ago, I think it was 2018. And I was watching that in the, uh, in the middle of my Zwift session, kind of picture in picture, like in the middle of it. And, um, it makes the time go by like really fast. So when I was doing my, um, uh, Corona man, is what I'm calling it, hashtag Corona man. Uh, I watched the tour of Germany. I think it was, uh, and it's like four stages or something like that. So I watched like three stages of, uh, two and a half stages of, uh, the tour of Germany. And that made the time go by really, really, uh, well, and I had all my food and water all lined up next to me. And I had worked my way up to um, recently uh, three hours on the trainer. I've done that plenty of times before, just not recently. So you, even if you've done it before, you got to work your way up to it again if you haven't done it recently. If it's been a while, because it is uh, it's something to get used to. And if you just add like 30 minutes every weekend on your long ride, and this is for outdoor riding too then uh, 
you want to work your way up to a five hour bike ride outdoors. Well, yeah, you just add 30 minutes every time or 20 minutes, you know, whatever. And at some point, the length of the ride, if you've, if you've never done 112 miles before, then it's definitely worth it to go out and do a 112 mile bike ride. So you can see how long it really is before you go into an Ironman. So you can appreciate that how hard and sucky it is at the end of that thing. And that will keep you from trying too hard early on and then blowing up. You know, you know that you got to hold back because this thing's going to suck towards the end of it. And then you got to go run. Um, but after you've done one or two, uh, 112 mile bike rides in real life, maybe three, I don't know. Uh, then you don't need to go do those anymore. And I remember it was either me talking to Chrissy Wallington or somebody else that was, she was on an interview because I, I did meet her and talk with her one time. And she said, what they asked what her long ride is and it's three hours. That's what she said. And they go, just three hours? And she's like, yeah, anything more than three hours is stupid. <laughs> You're not, once you start going over three hours, it's not really a, a training ride anymore you're you're not training to improve yourself anymore it takes so long to recover from a three-hour ride it takes days to recover from a three-hour ride that if you're if you want to keep training now you have to spend your time recovering and now you can't be training anymore and so three hours is about the limit of it but there's two different things that you're training right are you training your fitness or are you training your mind one or the other and that's why i was saying that if you've never done it before, then it's definitely worth it to do a five-hour bike ride, you know, so that you can see what it's like. But once you know what it's like, you don't need to do it anymore. And I, um, I've interviewed a lot of uh, ultra runner uh, pros and also done a bunch of them. And not pro, but I've done a bunch of ultra runner races. I listen to a lot of ultra running podcasts too. And they... Um, they say the same thing is once you've run a hundred mile trail run race, um, you would never, ever, even a 50 mile trail run race, you don't go out and run 50 miles as part of your training. That is completely not worth your time. It takes so long to recover from that. That's stupid. But it really helps if you're going to do a long race, like a 50 mile or even a hundred, I don't know if you'd ever do a hundred mile in training for a hundred miler, but you need to get close to that distance. So you know how bad it really is going to be once. And, uh, then when you get out there, you're not surprised with how horrible it actually is going to be. I loved it. But, uh, um, my first ever Epic one was a 50 miler and I couldn't believe how bad it hurt. But once you do that, then yeah, uh, running two hours, two and a half, three hours, they would, uh, professional ultra running coaches would never recommend you run running longer than that as a training run. It just doesn't help anything. It actually makes, bangs you up too much, especially with running, right? Versus biking. So anyway, I worked up to, uh, three hours on the bike and I've done a plenty, I've done a plenty, I've done plenty of, 100 mile, 112 mile, Ironman, you know, da, 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 like that bike rides before. So I was like, okay. And really what I was looking for during my three hour rides was what was my power numbers? What was my heart rate? 
everything like that, which is all being measured. And I can go to Strava and uh, afterwards and go look at all that. What's my power curve? What's my FTP? And so the uh, so I have numbers to target um, for your uh, for a long ride. So if you're doing an Ironman, here's a coaching tip for you. If you're new to Ironman, you do like 75, 78 percent, maybe 80 percent of your FTP power if you have a power meter and keep your heart rate in zone two. And uh, yeah, that's about it. And that way you'll have a good run. And so I think if you have a 300, if you have an FTP of 300, then that would be like 230. I think I'd have to pull out a calculator, but you would bike 230 and then that would be your upper limit average Watts. And then you would, um, but definitely keep your heart rate in zone two for you, which for me would be in the one th low one thirties heart rate. And then if you, um, if you've got experience and you're really well trained, you can up that somewhat. You can do like up to like, I think it's like 85% of your FTP and you can start to kind of bounce around zone two, zone three a little bit. Uh, when I was uh, really racing hard at 50 mile trail run races, I did one, I think my fastest ever trail run race was nine hours and I was in zone, the upper end of zone two and into zone three the entire time and then ran all the way through the upper end of zone three at the end. And for a 50 mile trail run race, I think I got top third, um, which is really, really good for, for somebody that's, um, you know, didn't really have a background in long distance trail running or anything like that. Can you do something with her? Are y'all done? Yeah. Mom rescued us. Okay. But so that's an example of like if you're, and I'd really trained really well for that race. I'd done a ton of running. I'd gotten my running mileage up to a hundred miles a week and plus like 101, 102 miles a week. I cut back on all my biking and all my swimming. And the, uh, the thing was, oh, and I'd been running in a weight vest at not every run, but a lot of my runs. Uh, no, not a lot of my runs, some of my runs and then, uh, running hills with a weight vest on. And I blew through that 50 mile trail run race. Like it was, uh, <laughs> like a, that's such a colloquialism, like a, a knife through hot butter, but it was, it was easy until like mile 30, but I was able to run like really fast. Oh, I was drinking uh, beet juice, which has a lot of extra oxygen in it and, um, or helps you carry ex extra oxygen in your blood. But that whole thing, you know, my, my heart rate was um, higher than normal because I was able to do that because I was able to go harder um, and sustain it for a long period, a longer period of time. I was really surprised, actually, um, on that thing. So anyway, back to the thing I did a couple of weeks ago, my Corona Man. Uh, my plan was to actually run when I got done with the bike. So I did this hour swim. And I did it in the backyard uh, pool, tethered. Um, with elastic cords and stuff like that, which is uh, makes it feel very realistic. Water was cold, so I needed to wear. I wore. A, I have a two-piece wetsuit, so I wore the top half to keep my upper body warm. And then, the um, the, the water was cold and the air was cold, so I got out. It was really funny. I wasn't expecting this. Was my um, I had a uh, sea legs, like I was uh, dizzy <laughs> from the back and forth action 
of the of the chop and the I was creating in the pool. And what was funny, that's like swimming like open water in the ocean or something. And it was very realistic. It was funny. And then my feet were cold. My legs were cold, just like I'd been swimming in a really cold lake. So I hopped on the bike. And this one, I, um, I made sure there was almost no time between me finishing the swim. And I got right on the bike, had everything all set up. And then I started biking 112 miles. And I did fine until... Um, I think it was mile 85 or something like that. I was about four hours in and was cruising along, um, doing really well. And I think I was averaging like upper 22 miles per hour, like maybe around 23 miles per hour. Um, and uh, my stomach uh, started backing up with uh, the fuel and I started feeling, I wasn't feeling sick to my stomach, but I felt like a big gas bubble. So, and then what happens is my, uh, if your fuel isn't working right, your heart rate will drop. So normally over a long period of time of, of running or biking, your heart rate will increase. The more dehydrated you get, your blood gets thicker uh, throughout the day and it gets hotter, you know, and all that. Your blood gets thicker. Your heart has to work harder to pump the blood. And let me make sure I'm recording, by the way. Hold on. Yes, I am. Your heart rate goes up for the same effort. So you're feeling like you're doing, uh, and on an Ironman, you need to feel like you're doing like a, six or seven out of 10, not really trying, maybe even less, like five out of 10, really. And the, um, and what you do is you look at your speed and your heart rate, your watts versus your effort. And if that doesn't match up like it does in training, and that's one reason I really like to do the Zwift and everything else where you can measure everything and, and do lots of practice rides where you can measure, you know, what should things be at when you're going easy, medium, and hard, a scale of one to five, everything, then uh, my heart rate was low, and I have a, an alarm on my bike computer. My It was going off that my heart rate was too low. It was getting into the 120s, low 120, like 123 or something like that. Heart rate was too low, but I was trying really hard. You know, I was struggling to keep up the same speed I was doing before, and what that means is fuel is not getting to your muscles, so there's two reasons, either you're not eating enough fuel or another thing is you're doing something that's stopping your fuel. You're eating enough fuel, but it's not getting through your stomach. And that's, that's what my problem was. It wasn't getting through my stomach. Some people will make the mistake of, I do this often of, oh, I used to do this. I've learned the, um, oh, I need to eat more fuel. <laughs> but what's happens is, is your, your stomach's got like a traffic jam going on in it. And I can go into another podcast, what's going on there, but it's the, uh, the osmoality uh, and the molecular weight of your fuel. Uh, you're basically creating a traffic jam of simple sugars and stuff uh, in there instead of complex carbs and all that and not enough water, not enough sodium, electrolytes, you know, to pass everything through. It's, it's very complicated stuff and you learn over time what actually works and what doesn't. But this was getting backed up and... I um, got off the bike to pee real quick, and then I felt like this huge gas bubble. So I um, laid like you're praying to Mecca, like um, butt up in the air, knees on the ground, um, and your chest is low to the ground, like your neck on the ground, the side of your head on the ground if you can. And what that does is it lets gas bubble um, go up. <laughs> to your butt and then you fart it out and it is amazing like all of a sudden you're like holy cow i feel great and it really works um on 
bike rides and runs, it just looks really stupid in the middle of a competition to do that. People think that you might be dying or something like that. So you need to find a quiet place off to the side, which some races is impossible to do. Um, but it really helps. And if you're burping, it's coming back up and you need to drink more water. If uh, you're farting, then things are going the right direction. Um, and things should be getting better. You need to keep doing what you were just doing to make everything, uh, moving again. And anyway, so I had a low spot for a little while, but what was cool was, um, instead of drinking liquid fuels, I switched over to solid fuels. And the day before, uh, we went to the grocery store and I got, um, bagels, like plain white bagels. Cause then there's almost no fiber. It digests really easy, but it's a solid food. And a lot of people do better if they start having trouble with uh, liquid fuel than um, solid fuel. Uh, your stomach like really likes it. And bagels are fantastic for this. And bagels turn out actually, the ones I had, were um, pretty high in sodium too, which made them taste really great. And that's electrolyte getting through to you. And uh, they go down really easily. And one bagel, these were pretty big bagels, like 270 calories. So I ate one over the next half hour to 45 minutes and I went from my mood going like oh I need to I might have to quit at 100 miles because uh, I don't feel good and I'm not having fun anymore and this isn't like a real race I was kind of making this up to um to like yeah I could make that 100 miles uh no problem and then the, the mentality thing that you do as a uh long distance endurance athlete is you say um, just keep going until the you, you set in the future, you know, some sort of like landmark or, you know, uh, another point where you're going to reevaluate, just make it. So I was like, I, I'm going to, I can definitely, I know I can struggle to do a hundred miles. And when I get to a hundred, then I'll decide there. And I'm going to do everything right between now and then and go into recovery repair mode, which is basically slow down, drink more water, switch fuel sources to something else. Um, and another mistake that people make is they start falling behind of their goals. So they start trying harder. And that's a huge mistake that you do, um, for long distance stuff. And actually if things aren't going right, um, and you're over, you're struggling, you need to back off and go easier and then let your, your fuel and your water and everything else catch back up. And you're kind of resting a little bit more because say, you know, it, the, the situation is a bike ride, right? Well, you still got to run a marathon after that thing if you're doing a real Ironman outdoors. And uh, you don't put, oh my gosh, it is like the formula. I remember doing this in the very first half Ironman I ever did. I did the one in Lubbock, Buffalo Springs, which is a really hard one. This is one reason that people hide their numbers on a bike computer. Pros do this all the time. Because I got it in my head that I was going to average whatever miles per hour on that bike ride. And then as I started struggling towards the end... It looked like I might not make that number. Well, I started trying harder and then that wore me out. And then I remember on the run, I ran about a hundred yards and then needed to walk. <laughs> I'd never done a half Ironman before. This is like in 2003, 2004, something like that. I, I learned, you know, pretty quickly to back off and you don't want to though. I mean, you're kind of admitting defeat there, but that's what Ironman is. Ironman is death by a thousand cuts. And who makes the fewest mistakes is actually going to go the fastest because you're going to make mistakes. Ironman triathletes will have like one 
um, perfect race their entire career <laughs> where like as a swimmer like I had perfect races you know because they're like 50 yards or 100 yards you have them like once a weekend or something uh, Ironman because they're so long anything that's super long trail running races you know, anything that's super long and that's what's so that's what's so much fun about them is basically you got your your plan A and then your plan B and then your plan C and then your plan D. And then also you have in case of, and it takes years of like of experience of every single thing that can go wrong. What are you going to do if, right? What do I, what do I do if I have a blister? Well, I've, then I've got this like Vaseline lip therapy stuff. This is a small Vaseline thing that I carry. Okay. What are you going to do if you have a blister and you've lost that? <laughs> right. What are you going to do if on the bike, oh, what are you going to do if you're trail running and you fall down and you get your hands absolutely covered in dirt? And then now you got dirt and grime and sand all over you and you're sweaty, right? What are you going to do if you, you're you on the bike during a bike long bike event or an Ironman and uh, your chain breaks? What are you going to do if you have electronic shifting and then your derailleur um, locks up? <clears throat> You know, it's just on and on and on, all of these things. Because in an Ironman, you can pretty much fix any situation in about five minutes. And over 10 to 15 hours, five minutes is, you know, no difference whatsoever. But if you don't know how to handle it, uh, it can ruin you. And if you handle it wrong, yeah, it'll make your race way worse. And maybe have you not finish it. So anyway, back to um, this other thing. I switched over to solid fuels. And because even though all my liquid fuel planning, I was like, oh, it's going to go perfectly. Yeah. But what if it doesn't? Okay. One thing is to have some solid fuels. I had them in a Ziploc. I had bagels in a Ziploc right next to me on the bike just in case. And it worked spectacularly. And I went... Uh, made it to 100 miles. And I noticed by the time I made it to 100 miles, I was feeling a little bit better. And I was like, oh, I'm on an upward trend of feeling better. And then 105 miles felt way better. And then by 108, like I felt fantastic and was pretty much almost back to where I was before I started feeling bad um, at like 85 miles. By the time I got to 100, yeah, about 108. And um but the entire time I was just trudging along, you know, trying to do the best I could. And the, um, the plan was, oh, and so I finished, I finished the uh, bike ride portion of this thing, um, on Zwift. Do I have the numbers? I averaged, uh, I averaged something pretty decent. I don't know if I had the numbers. It took me, um, no, I guess I don't have it. I thought I had it in my notes here. It took me like five hours and 15 minutes and like average 22.7, I think, miles per hour, 22.5, something like that. And uh, which if I didn't have that fueling issue and had to slow down, I would have had, well, you know, that's your perfect race, right? Which hardly ever happens. Um, I think I would have done like 505 or something like that. But anyway, and um, my goal is to do a uh, sub- 10 hour Ironman, which is a five hour, if I do a five hour bike ride and a one hour swim, I think if I run a nine minute mile or a mid eight 
minute mile. So like a 830 something, maybe a high eight. Um, then I think that gets me just under uh, 10 hours would be a nice thing to do. And um, so I'm always like, you know, it's totally, it's totally feasible, doable, uh, and, and uh, paper and everything. And so I'm always trying to get my training, you know, kind of wrapped around that, that kind of target. And um, a lot of times it's very doable. And, um, but then I do a race like Ironman Texas where it's a billion degrees outside. And then I just cook in the heat and struggle. So I'm always looking for like the right race. I would do really good in a race because I'm a bigger guy. I'm 6'3", 185 pounds on race day. And so I overheat uh, pretty bad. And uh, even with all kinds of heat training and growing up in Texas and, you know, being very used to the heat, it's still just a lot of heat. And so uh, the races that I've done that are colder, I do really, really well. I like, really surprise myself. And it's because uh, my body doesn't hold on to the heat so much and cook me. But anyway, that's a little side story there. But, um, oh, so I was going to go run after this. And my plan was to run nine miles. That was like a, an A, my plan A was to run nine miles um, because I hadn't been doing enough running really to run much more than that because I've been training for this uh, bike race specifically. So my run mileage was a little bit too low. My long run was, that was my long run was like nine miles. So running more than that, just standalone would be uh, unusual. And... <laughs> Uh, ru running more than nine miles, especially after biking 112, would be really dumb because I'm coming off of a foot injury. And if you run uh, longer than what you're used to, then your form comes apart. If you run more tired than what you're used to, then your form comes apart. Bad form is what causes running injuries specifically. Uh, especially, yeah, tired legs, long distance. It's You start having uh you start running all hunched over and slamming your legs in the ground and shuffling and and uh pushing hard using extra muscles and you can strain yourself all kinds of stuff and then so my target was nine miles that was my plan a plan b was six miles i was very confident i was going to be able to do it and i could have uh actually done the six except that um the coach in me was like i was that I was really um, annoyed and bummed. That's the word. I was bummed about this. Is that low spot I had on the bike for about um, 45 minutes, almost to an hour, was um, what it did was, remember I was saying earlier, you're, you're pushing really hard, but you're, but you're not going as fast. So your effort, your strain is high compared to how fast you should, you should be going faster, right? So you strain, you're straining. Well, what that does is you're really working your muscles, your ligaments and everything um, harder. You're really digging deep. And that was way more extra load on my legs. I could tell when I got off the bike, I was like, yeah, this would not be smart to run on these legs right now. Um, as, Cause I have a choice, you know, I don't have to do this thing. And I can just run tomorrow and and uh, see whatever. So I um, and it, because I have uh, if I had no injury whatsoever, I would be like, yeah, just do it. I don't care. <laughs> I've done that too many times. But I 
got uh, on the couch and drank an IPA instead and really liked it. <laughs> so, um, and, and then a little while later, just walking around, I was like, oh yeah, your legs are kind of, it was funny. Like my legs are kind of banged up, even though I, I biked pretty easy, like by the numbers, I biked easy, but I could tell I was straining for that little bit. And then what was really interesting is once the energy came back on, because the fuel started working again, that at the end it felt easy again. But that window of time of extra strain to keep up the speed uh, really busted up my legs. It's pretty crazy how that works. And then I knew I was right because the next day I went out for a run and I ran nine miles um, and really enjoyed it and had uh, plenty of energy and felt great. And uh, I was able to have you know nice form and everything, but I could feel it. I could feel that my legs, uh, that it would have been a mistake to run on those uh, the, um, the day before. Um, another little side, a little tangent off to the side is um, the first few times that you do something really, really long distance, uh, you are banged up really bad. And then uh, the more of them that you do, you'll find that your recovery time gets shorter and shorter and shorter. So um, people who, uh, your very first Ironman, you are going to feel like you need a wheelchair for like, and crutches for a week. And then the next time you do it, it's for like four days, five days, maybe four, yeah, four days. And then the next time you do it, it's like three days. And then once you start doing them, and once you've done a bunch of them, then it's like a couple days, you feel kind of banged up, you know? And, and, uh, so yeah, like I did, um, 112 mile bike ride very, very next day, you know, ran nine miles. Like it was like, like, you know, whatever. And then, uh, right after that, uh, went right back into training again. And I consider training just exercise. And, um, yeah. Uh, and so like the half Ironman thing I did, I ran a half marathon for the first time in a long time. Um, day before yesterday, I think it was. And, I think um, I think that was my third day in a row of running. Maybe fourth day. In a, I think it was my fourth day in a in a row of running. I took one day off running and then went back out and ran again today and felt fine. Like I was actually faster, and um, that comes with experience. So if if uh, you see people doing that, um, uh, it's because they've been doing it a lot, and you can get there too. Is what I'm saying. Anyway, um, so that was. That was that. I'm on Instagram at Zen Triathlon and Twitter on Zen Triathlon. There might be a couple of pictures of me doing that thing. Um, I really liked it. And yeah, uh, let's see. Lionel Sanders. Let's talk about him. He was in the news uh, right before the quarantine, uh, climbing Mount Lemmon. On, uh, he rides for Canyon now on a canyon road bike and he broke the record for riding up Mount Lemmon, which is a mountain right outside of Arizona, outside of Arizona, out of Tucson. And it's famous, a uh, very, very famous climb. And it takes an hour and the record was hour 18, I think, by Phil Guyman. And Phil Guyman is a semi-retired, um, he's very, he's very much a retired pro, but he's only semi-retired bike racing 
and his favorite thing to do is to go, uh, he rode in the Tour de France and I think, but he was a big time pro, uh, cyclist, specifically cyclist and a climber. And he likes going and taking uh, mountain climb titles, Strava, King of the Mountains, from uh, dopers who took who who own them, and he had the calm King of the Mountain for Mount Lemon at an hour and eighteen minutes, and you know as a Tour de France level uh, pro cyclist that has like no upper body and he's all legs and on a hacked down bike that is you know super lightweight that's considered pretty much the gold standard and very difficult if impossible to beat and i think it's average like six seven percent grade maybe so average over an hour and something and maybe it's more but anyway lionel sanders went out and did it and they videoed it of him doing it and broke phil guyman's record by two minutes, which infuriates the cycling world that a triathlete can be that good. And some people that don't know, you know, how good Lionel is and, um, uh, you know, just infuriated, say he was cheating or something. Nope, they got video footage of the entire thing. And honestly, you know, over an hour and something uh, going uphill, there's a whole lot of factors that, um, that could come into play. Uh, aerodynamics, wind, uh, weather, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, he just went and did it and he had power meter, heart rate monitor on. So you can see the whole thing, video footage of the whole thing. It's really great. And Phil Guyman, you know, he's really funny and he's a good sport about the whole thing. He, he, in the video that they made of Lionel Sanders, they added the bit, uh, a video reply from Phil Guyman saying that, <laughs> that this, this, aggression will not stand or something like that, especially coming from a triathlete. This is horrible. So he's going to go back out and take it back when he can. And uh, that's going to be a really cool thing to watch. But then on Zwift, there was a bike race. Uh, They have races all the time, but they had the guys from, oh, what? Alpacan, Alpacan, I forgot how you say it, Uh, Phoenix. The pro, the European pro Tour de France cycling team, you know, and also they had the best Zwifters in the world, which the more you ride Zwift, the better you get. And they, on that team and this other teams and whatever that were all in this bike race, it was a crit race on Zwift, uh, was also Van, uh, Matthew Vanderpool, who is cyclocross world champion, mountain bike world champion, um, has won stages of uh, single day classic bike races in Europe. Um, he's obviously from where is he from? Is he from Denmark, Belgium? I forgot. But anyway, and he um, best in the world, absolute best in the world. And so all the advertising that came up for this race for people to watch it um, was you know all about Matthew Vanderpool. The ads for it, everything. Vanderpool, 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 come watch this thing. This is going to be awesome. And uh, it ended up taking, you know, they had to do however many laps. Ended up taking like 36 minutes, 37 minutes of racing. Well, with um, eight minutes to go or something like that, Lionel Sanders was in it. (laughs) And he broke away from the pack. And then a couple other guys caught back up with him. But he broke away from the peloton, and then at the end of the race, and you, 
the coolest thing is you can see all their wattage that they're that they're putting out. And another video came out where they had the camera on Lionel Sanders. Um, and so there's two videos, one of everything and then one of, uh, but it didn't have any like individual racers on it. And one from Lionel Sanders' uh, point of view, from him racing this thing, putting out five, six, seven, eight hundred watts stuff for several minutes at a time. And uh, he broke away from the front of the pack and the announcers are like, uh, we were laughing about this at first because he's just a triathlete, but uh, oh my God, what are we, <laughs> this is crazy. What's going to happen? And Lionel Sanders won and he out raced um, by like a couple bike lengths, I, I think, the, a couple guys and then the whole peloton behind that. Uh, it was absolutely amazing to see a uh, jaw-dropping experience. And uh, so there was that. And then uh, Mark Cavendish hosted a ride, a group ride on Zwift. And I did that. And it was just middle of the day kind of thing. But it almost broke the internet. Uh, 6,000 people or something like that all trying to ride all at once. And a lot of us thought Mark Cavendish was in front of us because why wouldn't he be? And ended up riding harder and harder and harder going off the front. And I ended up riding the hardest I'd ridden in a on a bike ride in like a couple years or something and for, for an hour, cause that's how long it was supposed to be an hour. Cause everybody at the front of this thing, you couldn't see where Mark Cavendish was. So we all just assumed he was in front of us. Well, it turns out he was behind us, like way behind us. Cause he's just lollygagging along, like enjoying the ride. And, um, I wasn't even close. I was close to the front, but I'm sure there was a lot of people still in front of me, but I averaged 27 miles an hour, um, trying to chase down Mark Cavendish, who wasn't even in front of me. <laughs> and the reason I was able to, you know, do that kind of speed was, um, uh, you know, they had drafting. I was riding a road bike in Zwift, and the uh, they have drafting enabled and stuff like that. So I was in like little mini packs and pelotons and stuff, uh, going off the front trying to hunt down Mark Cavendish. And um, but it was really, really cool. I had the time of my life. It was so much fun. And I think for the hour, I averaged 280-something watts for an hour and uh, was a little toasted at the end, but but felt pretty good. And then that's where uh, both on Strava and on Zwift, it'll calculate um, what your FTP should be. And then based on that, plus, you know, some faster like 5, 10, 20-minute stuff that I did that was, I think, the first... 10 minutes of that ride, I averaged 310 or 315 watts trying to keep up with a group that was trying to chase down Mark Cavendish. We thought was trying to chase down Mark Cavendish. And so the software um, will take that and then build a curve and then say, okay, so your FTP should probably be around 300. If you're doing 310 for 20 minutes, um, yeah, it was like, it was like 290. And then I know that I finished not feeling like I could have gone faster. And um, so that's how I know like I could probably do about uh, 300 for an FTP. And a lot of people nowadays say, I was listening to a podcast early, earlier today, Cycling News or whatever, they have professional uh, upper end coaches. And they're like, yeah, well, I don't do FTP tests anymore. Don't need to, just race. And then look at your race. And because racing, you'll actually go your hardest. And then that's a really, build a curve off of that. And then with Zwift, you can race 
anytime you want because there's races all the freaking time and um, they're not some big deal that you got to you know drive to or something like that and uh, let's see the day after I did the Cavendish ride there was a, a group workout ride uh, with uh, Jan Ferdino and I put Kai on and Kai has a Zwift account and Kai uh, biked with Jan Ferdino and it turns out the race went on the side of a volcano and Kai was dying trying to keep up and he got he didn't go hard enough at the beginning and it's really it's like real bike riding where you want to and that's why like the day before me and Mark Cavendish I was trying to go off the front because I just figured Cavendish would take off um but Jan kind of took off a little bit I guess and then um so Kai was trying to play catch up and then missed him but it was really neat. We could see where Jan Ferdino was. And on the way up the volcano, Kai was getting towards the top. And Jan Ferdino turned around and came down. And uh, the volcano is an out and back going up the volcano in Zwift. So you could see Jan Ferdino coming down as Kai was going up. Like he goes by. And then uh, Emily and I are sitting there watching. And then that was so much like in a real triathlon where uh Ironman Canada climbing up the big mountain climb in Whistler I remember climbing up and then seeing Andy Potts come down which was nice because I'd seen him earlier in the day and mistakenly stuck my hand out in the men's bathroom and shook his hand right after I'd been to the bathroom and that was a faux pas of sorts <laughs> and then uh Ironman Galveston or half Ironman Galveston this has happened endless times but just off the top of my head like lately uh uh, riding and it's an out and back and you're headed out and the pros start coming back um, and you see them coming. It's so cool. Uh, I did the race the same year that Lance Armstrong did it, for example. I did, I've done Galveston a bunch of times and uh, that's really neat, you know, seeing Starkowitz and um, who else is famous for doing Galveston? Well, Armstrong, Sebastian Keenley. Um, we were there one year and Kai got Oh, Rennie did it, and um, yeah, that's really neat. Anyway, that's what I love about doing Ironmans is you're out there uh, on the course with everybody. Yeah, so riding with Cavendish, riding with Jan Ferdino, doing 112 miles, you know, on this thing, which I've never done um, a 112-mile bike ride on, on a trainer on Zwift. I've done years and years ago, I did five hours on rollers <laughs> um, as a dare, as a bet. Because one of my friends did four and a half hours or something like that. And I was like, well, shit, now I got to do five hours. And uh, that was it. I did five hours and then no one, no one upped it from there on rollers. Uh, just getting off very short to pee a, a couple times. And then um, there's something else stuff done really stupid on the bike like that. Oh, but anyway, uh, some guy, I was feeling like kind of dumb and stupid for doing such long stuff on the, uh, on the trainer and, you know, cause a lot of people will be like, man, I don't know, you know, Zwift and it's, it's a video game or whatever, but some guy, not just some guy, uh, an ex pro cyclist, um, did 24 hours on Zwift. Uh, there's a YouTube channel for GCN, Global Cycling Network, and he was gonna try to do uh, 24 hours because of the lockdown and see what it was like. And he's done at least one um, 
24-hour bike ride outdoors in like Wales, uh, you know, uh, around uh, England and uh, bad weather and stuff like that. And there's a really good video, 10 minutes long or something like that, of him riding uh, uh, 24 hours on Swift. And he did a little bit extra because he took 45 minutes of stopping time. Uh, So he did like 24 hours and 45 minutes total for the to make up uh for the time that he stopped and riding around the big loops you know and stuff like that in zwift and it was exactly like my experience where like zwift has got where you can coast downhill um you can kind of set it up a little bit so you can turn and stuff like that the problem is is um you're kind of locked into the same position more and i've learned over the years riding indoors to how to stand and uh, make sure you turn the bike some and uh, shake your legs out and stuff like that. But definitely ride standing, ride sitting up. If you're riding in, in, in Zwift, it, it's, it's a very similar situation. Like it's it's uphill. Well, then sit up. If it's downhill, ride in the arrow position. If it's uh, in coast a little bit. And then um, if you get up right behind somebody and you can't pass them, like you're going to pass them very slowly, then sit up, you know, and uh, you're going into a turn then um, sit up a little bit and kind of lean the bike a little bit. All this stuff uh, makes it more like riding outdoors and it really helps. So um, yeah, this guy did it and I was surprised. He said it was harder than riding um, outdoors, even in the horrible weather. He said the, the part about being, you know, not really able to turn your body all that much and you're kind of locked into the same position and, and whatever. It's like if in the real world, you know, like you're going up and down that kind of, you're putting extra, you're putting your weight in different spots on the bike. Um, that really helps a lot. And, um, he said it was harder, which, um, I, I definitely believe that doing, doing trainer rides on a dumb trainer where you can't stop or like say rollers or something like that, where you can't stop or else you're going to fall off um, is harder. That whole thing where an hour on the trainer is like an hour and a half outside. Um, oh, and especially on a trainer and on Zwift, there's no stoplights, you know, there's no traffic. So you just ride. There is, you, you don't know how many breaks you actually take on your bike uh, until you ride a trainer, right? Uh, all those little intersections and stuff where you coast and you got to wait on a traffic light or a car or something like that. Um, those are all little breaks and all the, down, yeah, the downhill coasting and stuff. And then uh, that you don't really appreciate until you get on a trainer and at least Zwift. So I would normally say a, definitely a dumb trainer is harder than riding outdoors. But um, riding on Zwift I would take about half of how much harder it is away and say it's like riding Zwift is like riding an hour and 10, hour and 15 minutes outside. An hour on Zwift is. And, <clears throat> but he was he said, and it was harder. And what's really funny is it's very authentic that it was very, he was wrecked, you know, like seven hours in and he still got to go all this extra time. And, uh, which shows how tough he is. And, uh, it's from GCN, which is a great, uh, video bike channel. 
um, with lots, they got lots of uh, crew and staff and everything. So they did a really good job of producing this. It's not something that's hard to watch. It's really well done. And they, um, you can tell something's authentic, that it really challenged the person. An endurance event, <clears throat> when, when this, this, he took, he was done. He took like two steps from the bike and then laid down on the ground. <laughs> I was like, yes, dude, that is real. Because uh, I remember one time, um, I think it was like the third or fourth Ironman I ever did, I raced it against a friend. And when I crossed the finish line, I laid down on the ground and Kai uh, hit me with glow sticks. It's really funny, we got this picture of it. And when I did an Ultraman, my self-supported Ultraman, I finished and walked in the house, laid down on the couch, Emily handed me a beer. I drank about half the beer and passed out on the couch, cursing. And then um, I'm trying to think of other things. Um, I remember my first ever ultra long trail run. I did 50 miles and I had blisters on the undersides of my feet that were terrible. I was so destroyed and beat up that um, when I was done, I went over to the, to the little crappy log cabin with a concrete floor that we were staying in. It was, it was like right there, you know, it was like a hundred yards away from the finish line walked in there, laid down on the ground. And then in a little while I needed to pee and I considered peeing myself because I couldn't get up <laughs> to go outside the cabin to go pee. It hurt so bad. And, um, I didn't, I went out and pee cause I knew it would be warm. It was cold. It was like in December or no, it's February and cold. Uh, I would be, my pee would be it would, it would feel okay. I wouldn't say feel good, but it would feel okay and warm for about a couple minutes. And then I would be uh, freezing my ass off uh, and not much soon after that. And it would be a terrible situation. But it was funny how like I considered it for a minute. I was so destroyed. But anyway, this guy gets off the bike and he's like, he just lays down on the ground. <laughs> I was like, yes, dude. Yes. Yes, dude, you have spent yourself. That's what I love to see. And that's uh, real endurance stuff. Okay, so uh, let's go ahead and wrap up the show. Um, I'm going to go and grab an IPA and uh, enjoy that for a minute. And I'll come right back and give you a couple tips on how to work from home during all this stuff and uh, give you the coaching link and uh, maybe a training tip or two on the way out and wrap up the show. I'll be right back. Hold on. All right, we are back. Since I left you, let's see, that was a couple of days ago. And then yesterday, I ran six miles in the morning and then got on the bike before everybody else woke up and started biking, uh, trying to get a bike ride out of the way. And I'm suddenly, oddly inspired to ride Alp de Zwift, which is Alp Duez in in Zwift, uh, they've built a replica of it. You can't start right from the bottom. Luckily, you bike about 10 minutes, pretty much downhill, to get to the, get to the base of Alpe d'Huez. And then you can start climbing it from there. I've climbed it two times before. Uh, once, just to do it, and I didn't go all that hard. And then another time, uh, Triathlon Terran. Did it, and then I was trying to beat him, and I just inched him out at the very top, I think. And what I did is I uh, tracked his time, and then specifically stayed right ahead of him. That way, I didn't cook myself 
And that was quite an accomplishment. I forgot what my time was on it. And then I decided to do it again yesterday. And I think maybe the reason why is I finally achieved level 50 in Zwift. And there's nothing left to do <laughs> after that. Um, there's oddly just a jersey for getting level 50. And, you know, on the way up to level 50, there's like disc wheel sets and cool shoes and, and gloves and helmets, aero helmets and things like that. Well, I guess maybe the, the wheel set you buy along the way. But uh, you would think there would be uh, something a little bit uh, more interesting. But I guess that's why they have the drop shop where you can just go in and buy stuff. So with all the, all the currency that you pile up on your way up to level 50, you end up with uh, enough money to buy. Uh, I've got like four different uh, tri-bikes in there, you know, like a Cervelo P5X which is supposedly the fastest. My favorite actually is the Cube brand uh, tri-bike. I think that one looks absolutely the coolest, along with the felt. I think that and the felt look the best. And they're all so fast that they're um, within uh, seconds of each other, I think, over a long distance. And then, what was the other one? Um, and then, turns out, wearing a helmet versus not wearing a helmet makes very little difference in Zwift, just a tiny little bit. But anyway, I was, uh, I guess, feeling like, well, I guess I'll go climb Zwift, uh, Alp to Zwift now, Alp to S. <laughs> and it does really match my theory on uh, getting better, which is find a hill that's so big that it's inconquerable. Unconquerable, inconquerable. And you just have to give up to climb it, right? You just have to slow down and pace yourself. And that is the right amount of uh, effort and resistance and turnover to improve you greatly. This whole thing with cl climbing up Mount Lemon over and over and over again. I remember telling uh, uh, Angela Nath one time that my theory on why she became such an incredible cyclist is she rode up Mount Lemon over and over and over again. So what makes you faster in triathlon for long distance stuff is a, a bunch of sweet spot for long, dist long periods of time, 20 plus minutes at a lower cadence than average. And that increases your slow twitch muscle strength and it in increases your durability. So like if you were climbing up a mountain that was so tall, let's say Mount Everest, right, where you had to trudge up it. That is what would make your legs super, super, super strong. So I was like, well, you know, Mount Zwift is, or Alp, Alp de Zwift is, I think there is already is a Mount Zwift, which is about a 20 minute long mountain. But uh, if you go up that 20 minutes and you got to turn around and come back down, the rest time is so long that uh, if you were to do repeats of that, you'd actually run out of mountain. It doesn't work out. But instead, if you climb up Alp Swift, Alp, yeah, Alp, Alp to Swift, then you can do an interval and then, you know, 
scale back a little bit and spin. Uh, you set the resistance to the trainer about 50%. And then spin a little bit, but never stop going up. And then go up, and then relax, up, relax, up, relax. By the time you do that, you've done an hour-long hill workout. And you have this nice little warm-up of 10 minutes on the way there. And it works. Works pretty great. So I did that. Back to my story. One-hour run, which I averaged uh, just under a a 10-minute mile, just jogging easy. And then climbed Alps Swift and then rolled back down it, which takes an hour and a half to do. And I hit 52, 53 miles per hour on the downhill. Oh, and then I love climbing it. I climbed Alps Swift um, on a tri bike with a disc wheel <laughs> and an helmet. And I know it gets funny looks from people around me that are like, what is this guy doing? But anyway, uh, when the going gets weird, the weird GoPro, you know. And then sitting around, it, looking at the weather, and then Kai had some energy. I said, uh, hey, Kai, how about a little bit? I take you for an outdoor bike ride. And what I'm trying to do is get him riding his road bike uh, because he can't go mountain biking right now. We can't go mountain biking right now. But you can go ride on the roads, apparently. And at first he said no. And then I bothered him about it a little bit more. And then I said, we're going to test out this uh, Garmin radar thing. And he eventually was looking for me. He came out of nowhere and goes, so are we ready to go? <laughs> and I said, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. So finished getting my road bike together. I have a nice uh, titanium True North brand uh, road bike. It's really kitted out with all kinds of cool um, uh, you know, chain rings. It's got rotor chain rings and Campanello, everything on it. It's really cool. And so we put the Garmin radar on the back of that varia is the name of it garmin varia radar and we went for a ride and did two hours a mix of a little bit of in the neighborhood and then a ton out on open roads with very little traffic and that's what the the garmin is really good at is picking up the occasional car coming behind you to give you warning and i think next podcast i'm gonna i'm gonna do a tech show and talk about the latest tech I've been using and how it's been working. I got a blinky light that works really good. And, you know, the Garmin Varia, now that I've finally ridden with it and seen what it, what it does. And I rode with it uh, not only using a bike computer, but also it alerts you on your watch, which, you know, vibrates your wrist, which is a nice little bonus that it's doing that. And uh, it had some nuances to it that made, uh, I was surprised a how well it worked it was amazing and then there was also i was a surprise on a couple of things was it a couple or at least one one thing at least that was um odd that i was uh i'm gonna have to look into to see if i can get it to not do that and yeah it was super cool and then i turned around the next morning uh, which is this morning i think and went running again <laughs> and ran faster today than I did yesterday. Did another 6.2 miles and did it 15 seconds per mile faster, I think. And did it with more elevation gain. 
And that's really cool. And see, I think I did a Kai and I's bike ride was two hours. The Zwift was an hour and a half. And then my run was, uh, it was an hour. So that's four, four and a half hours of training yesterday. And then to turn around uh, today and then run again and run even faster than yesterday it really shows success in a training method, which I will describe as train just enough today so that you can train even more and harder tomorrow. You always hold back. You always look at what did you do yesterday and what are you going to do tomorrow? And then that's how hard you train today. And Kai destroyed me on the bike ride on the way home the last 20 minutes or so uh, because uh, he wanted to and he could. <laughs> but I was kind of looking at, you know, well, I want to keep training tomorrow and I don't want to blow myself out. And uh, he, he would have beaten me anyway, probably. And so I held back a little bit. And then what's nice is then today I could actually train a little bit more. And then also the upside of being able to train when you want when you feel like it. So, so many of us that have day jobs and aren't, you can't just train whenever, uh, you know, we have to train whether we like to or not. And lately, because of all this quarantine stuff, I'm able to train, uh, you know, I get up early and run. I always feel like that, a couple, cup, couple cups of coffee. I feel good, feel run, feel like running, rested. And then, the uh, bike ride, I, I do whenever I feel like it. I, after I finish running, I take my time and then go and get my stuff together. And eventually around noon, I feel like riding the bike again. And because I feel like it and I'm well rested uh, and I've got the energy to do it right then, it turns out to be a pretty good bike ride. And then the next day, feel like doing it again and again and again. And it's that repetition. So when you wonder why pros <laughs> uh, and the unemployed or the, the uh, independently wealthy are so much faster than everybody else, it's uh, a lot of it is they've managed to create a schedule uh, without quarantine where they can uh, train where everything in their life uh, enhances the training and the training is done when it feels good. And they start when they feel good. They're never in a rush, you know, uh, trying to get started. And then they're never um, training while tired. Um, train when you when you feel like you got the energy to do whatever that workout is that you want to do. And I was I was surprised myself when I went running this morning. It was faster than yesterday after doing four and a half hours yesterday on on legs to turn around and then run even faster today. Uh, but this felt like the same effort. And what's happening with that is uh, coming off of being injured and uh, not being anywhere near as injured as I was before, I think I might be over it. Um, my best running speed is definitely not a 10-minute mile. And the more I run, it improves my running form. And this is for everybody in general. The more you run to a point, it improves your running form and then you get more efficient and you get smoother, just like biking and swimming. So much of it, especially running, is technique dependent 
I guess swimming's even more, but running's technique dependent to not get injured. But your the more you do it, your technique gets smoother, and then you get faster and faster and faster. So then you get closer and closer to your natural potential. And my natural potential uh, cruising along, if I've been running a lot, is more like a low eight minute mile. I'm definitely not a running freak. Um, I'm not like a six minute mile natural runner or anything like that. So it's like a low eight, I think, is the fastest I run um, if I've been running a lot. And I got lots of um, lots of mileage and uh, and I've got all the kinks worked out. Yeah, so I think next episode we'll do a little bit of uh, a little bit of tech. We can do a tech show and also how I worked my way up to level 50 on Zwift. There's you know how to get there the fastest and then also the battle for Mount Lemon. <laughs> the calm has heated up. Uh, by the time you listen to this, there'll, there'll be more um, drama with this. But Sam Long is a uh, really, really excellent cyclist triathlete. He's very strong on the bike. And he has, he won, did he win the full Ironman Chattanooga and then the half or both? I don't know, but he's won, I think he's won a full out, Ironman outright. And he's also, his nickname is... <laughs> The big unit <laughs> and I think he's really tall he might be six three six four like me and then uh, he's really he's young he's like 23 years old he out climbed he outdid the calm against Lionel just a, a few days ago and what was scary was he almost took the calm away from Lionel he missed it by 30 seconds after biking like a hundred miles or I don't remember what it was. It was something insane. It was at the end of a long bike ride. Then he went and climbed it and then missed it by like 30 seconds after all that, like a huge bike ride. And in an an interview, he said, is a slow twitch uh, interview. He said that he did it one time and he was like, okay, came close. Then he did it another time with a friend and they were um, riding together, so they're drafting off of each other, which kind of helps your speed a little bit. And I don't know if they're drafting off each other on purpose. I just assume that because with a pro cyclist, he was uh, going up it. And then, uh, so then he knew he could definitely do it. And then the next time he did it, he went all out, you know, wore all the aero kit and the right, exactly the right bike and all that stuff. And then he beat Lionel Sanders' time, I think, by 30 seconds. So Lionel's response was, that's pretty impressive. I'm, I may let it stand <laughs> for another week. <laughs> Which just goes to show you there's a whole lot left on that calm. And it just shows you uh, the pits that this our society has uh, spiraled down to uh, with nothing else to do, with no racing. And... Oh, yeah, there was another Zwift race, and then Lionel's uh, computer crapped out on him right in the middle of it, and he wasn't able to finish racing. Uh, he got a, He was racing it off of an iPad, and it, his iPad said storage. He had a screenshot of it, um, which I guess nowadays you have to do, right, to prove that you didn't 
uh, quit because you weren't doing good and said, iPad storage is full, free up storage to continue operating or something like that. And that was an error message that popped up and froze his uh, Zwift game right in the middle of a Zwift race. But anyway, yeah, that is it for this episode. I'm uh, really excited to get another show out. And don't forget that you can hit me up for coaching at texafornia at gmail.com, T-E-X-A-F-O-R-N-I-A at gmail.com. If you're interested in upping your game during this time getting started, now that you've got some free time, getting uh, some stuff straightened out, get your training life together, and start improving yourself in a way where you look at getting better every day while looking at yesterday and to improve upon tomorrow and races coming up in the future. I know some friends of mine and I were talking about doing Ironman Sweden and then also uh, Ironman Finland looks beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And I used to be sponsored with Sunto, which is based out of Finland. And that would be really, really cool to go up there. So yeah, I've got races in the future that I'm planning on. And you should too. This will all be over pretty soon. And we'll be able to move on. Okay, that's it. Everybody stay safe out there. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down. Out. Out.